0: Chapter six of Versailles Christmas Tide by Mary Stuart Boyd. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter six icebound. Even in the last days of December, rosebuds had been trying to open on the standard bushes in the sheltered rose garden of the palace. But with the early nights of January, a sudden frost seized the town in its icy grip, and almost before we had time to realize the change of weather, pipes were frozen and hot-water bottles of strange design made their appearance in the upper corridors of the hotel the naked cherubs in the park basins stood knee-deep in ice skaters skimmed the smooth surface of the canal beyond the tapis vert and in a twinkling versailles became a town peopled by gnomes and brownies whose faces peeped quaintly from within conical hoods soldiers drew their cloak hoods over their uniform caps postmen went their rounds thus snugly protected from the weather the doddering old scavengers plying their brooms among the great trees of the avenues bore so strong a resemblance to the pixies who lurk in caves and woods that we almost expected to see them vanish into some crevice in the gnarled roots of the trunks even the tiny acolytes trotting gravely in the funeral processions had their heads and shoulders shrouded in the prevailing hooded capes to us accustomed though we were to an inclement winter climate the chill seemed intense so frigid was the atmosphere that the first step taken from the heated hotel hall into the outer air felt like putting one's face against an iceberg all wraps of ordinary thickness appeared incapable of excluding the cold and i sincerely envied the countless wearers of the dominant capuchin cloaks our room was many-windowed and no matter how high Carl piled the logs nor how close we sat to the flames our backs never felt really warm It was only when the night had fallen and the outside shutters were firmly closed that the thermometer suspended near the chimney-piece grudgingly consented to record temperate heat but there was at least one snug chamber in versailles and that was the room of the red cross prisoners however extravagant the degrees of frost registered without the boys sick-room was always pleasantly warm how the good sir who was on duty all day managed to regulate the heat throughout the night-watches was her secret a half-waking boy might catch a glimpse of her apparently robed as by day stealing out of the room but so noiseless were her movements that neither of the invalids ever saw her stealing in They had a secret theory that in her own little apartment, which was just beyond theirs, the sueur, garbed, hooded, and wearing rosary and the knotted rope of her order, passed her nights in devotion. Certain it was that even the most glacial of weathers did not once avail to prevent her attending the mass that was held at Notre Dame each morning before daybreak frost flowers dulled the inner glories of the shop windows with their unwelcome decoration even in the square on market mornings business flagged the country folks chilled by their cold drive to town cowered muffled in thick wraps over their little charcoal stoves lacking energy to call attention to their wares the sage with the onions was absent but the pretty girl in the red hood held her accustomed place warming mittened fingers at a chauffeurette which she held on her lap the only person who gave no outward sign of misery was the boulangère, who harnessed to her heavy hand-cart toiled unflinchingly on her rounds in the streets, the comely little bourgeoises hid their plump shoulders under ugly black knitted capes and concealed their neat hands in clumsy worsted gloves but despite the rigour of the atmosphere their heads with the hair neatly dressed a la chinoise remained uncovered it struck our unaccustomed eyes oddly to see these girls thus exposed standing on the pavement in the teeth of some icy blast talking to stalwart soldier friends whose noses were their only visible feature the ladies of versailles give a thought to their waists but they leave their ankles to providence and any one having experience of versailles winter streets can fully sympathise with their trust for even in dry sunny weather mud seems a spontaneous production that renders galoshes a necessity and when frost holds the high standing city in its frigid grasp the extreme cold forbids any idea of coquetry and thickly lined boots with cloth uppers a species of footgear that in grace of outline is decidedly suggestive of arctics become the only comfortable wear after a few days of thought congealing cold a cold so intense that sundry country people who had left their homes before dawn to drive into paris with farm produce were taken dead from their market-carts at the end of the journey the weather mercifully changed a heavy snowfall now tempered the inclement air and turned the leafless park into a fairy vision the nights were still cold but during the day the sun glinted warmly on the frozen waters of the gilded fountains and sparkled on the facets of the crisp snow the marble benches in the sheltered nooks of the snug chateau gardens were occupied by little groups which usually consisted of a bon and a baby or of a chevalier and a hopelessly unclassable dog for the dogs of versailles belong to breeds that no man living could classify the most prevalent type in clumsiness of contour and astonishing shagginess of coat resembling nothing more natural than those human travesties of the canine race familiar to us in pantomime along the snow-covered paths under the leafless trees on whose branches close-wreathed mistletoe hangs like rook's nests the statues stood like guardian angels of the scene they had lost their air of aloofness and were at one with the white earth just as the forest trees in their autumn dress of brown and russet appear more in unison with their parent soil than when decked in their bravery of summer greenery chapter six